Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. And welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we wanted to talk about something pretty darn cool, nanogenerators. What are nanogenerators, Jonathan? Well, you know, in order to understand what a nanogenerator is, it helps if we define some terms really quickly. Oh, right. Because because nano you know, clearly means tiny. It means yeah. it's it's one billionth of a Yeah, if a you're meter. talking about nanometer, it's a one billionth of a meter. Yep. So when you're talking about the nanoscale, you're, you're saying... That stuff that exists, generally speaking, in between one and a thousand nanometers, somewhere in there. And usually it's between one and 500 nanometers. That tends to be the area we talk about. Now, the nanoscale is, uh, is, is one order larger than the atomic scale, right? So, uh, even at the nanoscale, atoms are still tiny. But the nanoscale is much smaller than what we are accustomed to, and we need very special equipment to work with stuff and even see stuff that's on the nanoscale. Uh, right, yeah. Just to give you an idea, human hair is usually between about uh, 60 and 120 micrometers wide, right. um, which means that you would have to divide a hair at least 60,000 times lengthwise in half in order to make it one millim- one nanometer. Thick. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A nanometer. Yeah. It takes. It it's, takes it's very small. <laughs> it takes one thousand nanometers to make one micrometer. That'll become important later on in our conversation. So yeah, super small. Think of the smallest thing you know. It's smaller than that. Way smaller. Yeah. Unless you're thinking of like an atom, in which case you went too far. Turn around, go back. Come, come back. But uh, yeah. So so we're talking the nanoscale, very tiny stuff. And there's a lot of interest in nanotechnology, this idea of being able to create things that work on this nanoscale for all sorts of applications, everything from uh, actual mechanical applications, biological applications, uh, and uh, and even stuff like you, you can find nanoparticles and stuff like, like sunblock. You know, it has nanoparticles of, of zinc in it to help uh, block ultraviolet radiation. Well... When you talk about building things on that nanoscale and you're talking about actual stuff that's doing work, it has to get power from somewhere. So where do you get power from if you are this tiny? You can't go to a nano gas station and fill up with nanofuel, as far as I know. No, not that we're personally aware of, no. So the nanogenerator is this this idea of a... Uh, a a device that uses stuff on the nanoscale in order to generate small amounts of electricity by converting energy from one format into electricity. Now, remember, we cannot create or destroy energy. We can merely convert it from one form into another. And in this case, uh, with nanogenerators, there are a couple of different kinds of energy that we can look at to convert into electrical energy. Uh, the, the main one is uh, mechanical energy. Right. So through um, piezoelectric. Piezoelectric materials, yeah. So if you've ever heard this term, piezoelectric, or as I sometimes say, piezoelectric, because I'm pretentious. Or piezoelectric, because pie is delicious. Pie. It has been so long, guys. I'm sorry. Mm, pie. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah. So piezoelectric materials, this is, this is a, a kind of material that when you apply a mechanical stress to it, it essentially emits electricity. And the reverse is also true. If you were to uh, in, you know, apply an electric charge to a piezoelectric material, it would then 
uh, move in some way, vibrate in some way. Right. All of your quartz watches, for example, contain piezoelectric uh, crystals. crystals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get this little, uh, you, you apply a, a very specific amount of electricity to this quartz watch, and it vibrates in a very specific way. It's it's predictable, and it will do that every single time. And that's you know why they are great for keeping time. So as long as you've worked out all the math, uh, it should it should keep time very very well. And of course, you know until something goes wrong with one of the other mechanisms in it. Yeah, and then then it's time to buy a new watch. That's how that's what time it is. You 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 still know what time it is. Just it's anyway. So piezoelectric materials are uh, very useful when it comes to nano generators. What you have to do is create something that can take a mechanical stress, you know, pinching, uh, bending in some way, and create a lot, convert that mechanical energy into electrical energy and then you can apply that electrical energy to what we call a load in electrical terms electronics you know you have an electronic load that essentially means it's going through some sort of circuit in order to do work of some kind that might be lighting up an led or it might be helping uh, recharge a battery or it could be powering a medical device but we'll get into the applications later on so that's the main one. And in fact, if you go to HowStuffWorks.com, first of all, you're awesome because it's a great website and we've got some amazing uh, articles on there. One of those amazing articles is how nanogenerators work. And the focus on that is the uh, piezoelectric nanogenerator. But we'll talk about a couple of other types as well in this podcast. And uh, so you've got the you've got that nano size. You know, it's tiny, tiny, tiny. You've got the uh, generator part, which is the electricity. Uh, where did this idea come from? Well, right down the road, as it turns out, from us. Yeah, um, a lot of the research has been done by uh, Dr. Zhongling Wang of the Georgia Institute of Technology. Yeah, Georgia Tech. That is the rival school to the college I went to. Uh, they are their mascot is the Yellow Jackets, and we hate them. <laughs> go, I, I, go Bulldogs! I, I went to the University of Florida. Oh, yeah, I hate you too. Yeah, that's I, tough. I okay, on well, the football you, team, if that helps. You, really? No, yeah. <laughs> hard to there imagine. Was, there was a there was a fullback that I just thought looked exactly like you, uh, who played for Florida. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, Dr. Zhang Ling Wang uh, of Georgia Tech uh, has done a lot of work, a lot of uh, amazing research in nano generators, uh, piezoelectric, and other kinds as well. And uh, in fact, it, like I said, it's just down the road. So I really hope that at some point I will be able to visit the Georgia Tech campus and actually maybe speak with him. Yeah, because, that would be amazing. Yeah, the, the guy has done some phenomenal work. There are a lot of papers that are available for free online that you can read. Georgia Tech hosts many of them, and you can actually read the scientific papers. I will go ahead and give you guys a warning they are not meant for the They're general... They're extremely scientific, yeah. 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 If, if you're not terribly familiar with uh, with with uh, electrical engineering or physics, uh, they can they can get very dense very quickly. But they are, uh, you know, the they, this is the leading research in this field, so yeah. it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, we'll toss up some links on social. Yeah, definitely. So let's let's talk specifically about the piezoelectric nano generator and what's going on there. So they're using uh they've used lots of different materials to try and do this because uh 
there are several different kinds of materials that exhibit piezoelectric uh, qualities. Mostly uh, crystals and ceramics of various kinds. Yeah. So, you know, the, you've, got a, you've got some choices there to start with. How do you narrow that down? Uh, well, one of the things that Wong and his team were looking at were uh, stuff that, that would not be too brittle. Because if you're applying a lot of mechanical stress to it and you want to have this have a practical application, uh, something that's flexible that has some give and doesn't break easily would be very useful. Right. Yeah, because otherwise... Otherwise you really get it once and then after that it's like, no, that was a great generator for one second. Yeah, yeah. And that might be important for some applications. Oh, sure. But not so much for anything that you want longevity. Yeah, sure. Uh, And they also wanted to find... Uh, considering that some of the, the applications, potential applications could be medical and might even require a device to be implanted in a person, uh, they wanted to find something that would be biocompatible. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically non-toxic. You know, the, the goal was sort of less toxic than the stuff that goes into the batteries that are already in medical implantable devices. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's, that was definitely a goal. And so, when they were looking into different materials, the one that seemed to be the most promising and the one that they've done much of their work on is zinc oxide. Right. Uh, so they they ended up creating a uh, nano generator using zinc oxide as the basis for it. Now, a nano generator has a couple different parts. Uh, nano wires are really important parts. Nano wires are these incredible. They're exactly what you would think. They're wires that are on the nano scale. Uh, these are, these are measuring from uh, about 100 to 300 nanometers in diameter. Yeah. So if you if you were to look at a cross section of these, first of all, you'd have to have like a scanning microscope, electron scanning microscope to be able to see it. But uh, between 100 and 300 nanometers in diameter, if you were to do that cross section, their length, they are actually much, 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 much long, longer than they are wide. About 100 microns in length. Yeah. Now, remember, a micron is 1,000 nanometers. So you're talking about 100,000 nanometers in length and 100 nanometers in diameter. So the the ratio there is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. But 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 it's still it's still I mean, the the length is still only about the same width as two human hairs yeah. put together. Yeah. If you put two human hairs side by side, that's how long these wires are. Right. So we're still talking super tiny. Yeah. I can't even imagine trying to do research with something that small. That's yes. You have to have some very specific equipment or incredibly steady hands. I'm amazed. I, I, I think it's got to be the equipment thing. Probably. Yeah. I, I can't imagine someone actually... Oh. Uh, sorry, I, I slipped with the tweezers. We lost all our research. Uh, so yeah, they, they took these zinc oxide nanowires and they put it onto, uh, a, an etched flexible surface that is called a substrate, which if you are familiar with things like semiconductors, this is going to start sounding familiar. Um, and uh, they then had some other components that are made from uh, from silicone to help with this uh, uh, to create an electrode because obviously you need something that's going to, to collect. Yeah, that's going to act as like a harness to, mm-hmm. to act like uh, the the conduit yes. for that electricity. There you go. So you need to have something that the electricity can flow through. Otherwise, all you're doing is generating an electric charge that doesn't really go anywhere. It'll just redistribute to wherever the 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 electrons can go. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so you've got kind of a sandwich going here. Yeah. And so you've got this zigzag electrode pattern. Uh, and uh, when you start to apply pressure to that nanogenerator, those nanowires all start to flex. And because of that piezoelectric 
nature of zinc oxide, which also acts as a conductor. That's another reason why they chose that material. Uh, when it when they flex, they start to generate that electrical charge. That that nature of the mechanical energy and the electrical energy starts to come into effect. Now, the electrode, that silicon electrode, ends up capturing that charge and it carries it through the load, the circuit that the, the nano generator is attached to. And uh, and there might be several electrodes, lots and lots and lots of nanowires mm-hmm. in a single millions, yeah. millions of nanowires. Yeah, so you're you're talking because I mean clearly, if you just had one nanowire and one electrode, the amount of electricity you would draw off of that would be so tiny as to be difficult to put into words. So by collecting all of these and putting it all together into a a larger form factor, you're going to generate more electricity. Uh, the I, I remember reading at least in the early stages they their efficiency of converting mechanical energy into electrical energy was between 17 and 30%. So that's a small amount, but you're thinking, you know, the the whole purpose of this is to create something that's incredibly sensitive because you've got it on such a small scale that even the smallest movement is right. going to create electricity. Uh, something from it. something like a like a heartbeat or the the touch of a finger, or even a even a not even stiff breeze, a gentle breeze, yeah, could yeah. be activating this. The constriction of a blood vessel, or even the flow of blood through a vessel, could be enough to generate a, a, a significant, for this size, amount of electricity. And depending mm-hmm. upon what you you need that electricity for, it may be enough to meet all of your needs, or at least enough of your needs so that the battery. Because I think we're never going to get fully away from batteries, but the battery would be more of a backup than. Uh, oh, right, right. Just something to, to kind of add in in between. Uh, yeah, or, or in case like something doesn't work anymore. Sure, sure. You know. Yeah, the, the the peak that they've recorded, according to um to a paper that they published in 2012, was that from a from a one centimeter square uh, circuit of this stuff, they recorded a, a high level of 37 volt output. Um, wow. Which you know, for for comparison, a AA battery is what like like one point five. So there you go. Volts and yeah. a car battery is twelve. So I mean, yeah, it's so pr- it's pretty impressive in, when you're thinking about this tiny scale. In in lab standards, that that's you know a, a separate thing from real life experience. Right, but, it's not a field test. Right, but it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, and uh, here here's something directly from one of Wong's papers. Uh, he says. The coupling of piezoelectric and semiconducting properties in zinc oxide creates a strain field and charge separation across the nanowire as a result of its bending. The mechanism of the power generator relies on the coupling of piezoelectric and semiconducting properties of zinc oxide, as well as the formation of a Schottky barrier between the metal and zinc oxide contacts. So Schottky barriers... This is one of those things I'm not going to get into a lot of detail because, frankly, it goes well beyond my own understanding of electrical engineering and physics. But it's essentially a potential barrier, uh, b- potential being elect- electrical potential, not okay. not that potentially this could be a barrier to us, right. not like that. Uh, and it's formed at the junction of a metal and a semiconductor. So when you get to those junctions, that's where you have the Schottky barrier. And it can act like a diode, which means, if you're familiar with electronics, a diode uh, allows current to pass through in one direction but prevents it from passing through the other way. So uh, that's, generally speaking, what a Schottky barrier is. It gets way more technical than that, and I know that all the people out there who are uh, schooled in electronics and, and in this kind of stuff are probably screaming at me for oversimplifying it to that extent. But frankly, uh, I, I read about it for about an hour and watched a uh, a full presentation from a university in India about it 
And uh, that's what I came away with. <laughs> so because uh, this is not my area of expertise, but it is really fascinating. And and just to be clear, uh, while a lot of our research does follow the work that Wong and his team have done, there are other teams out there that have also uh, explored the piezoelectric nanogenerator model. And, and some of them are doing uh, slightly different research. There's one team, um, uh, a combination of uh, Princeton University and the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, McAlpine and Pirohit. Yes. Um, they've been uh, dealing with hmm, zirconate titanate. Is that does uh, that lead lead zirc? I have no idea what yeah, that is. It's Do you know what that is? Well, you know, it's, it's some stuff. It's, it's stuff. It's, it's a it's a it's a piezoelectric stuff. Yeah, they they also are creating uh, nano ribbons. Oh, right. It, well, it, it's this uh, this PZT is extremely brittle, and they figured out a way that when it's uh, specifically shaped, it can stretch up to ten percent without breaking, and uh, and therefore be useful. Right. Right, and, and, and these and these nano ribbons are that shape that they have come up with. That uh, yeah, because usually this is that this they're using a material that that traditionally you would not think would be very useful because it's very brittle, but because they have shaped it in this way, it can actually work in this piezoelectric nano generator format because it doesn't break immediately upon use. Oh right, they they fix these nano ribbons to um to stretched silicone rubber surfaces. Um, yeah. and and when those surfaces are relaxed, it creates a, a buckle in the nano ribbons, uh, a bend in the nanoribbons without actually breaking them. And mm-hmm. uh, the, then in their bent state, any movement within them generates electricity. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, these are really creative ways of, of uh, designing these sort of uh, tiny, tiny generators. Now, those are the that's the main kind of nanogenerator we talk about in the article on how stuff works. But like I said earlier, there are a couple of other methods, and we're going to talk about those in just a minute. But before we do, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. All right, and we're back. So we've got the piezoelectric stuff down. We're experts. We know all about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can. you can ask us anything, and we will hem and haw. Yeah. Uh, but but we'll pretend <laughs> like we know. Um, we, will, we will look it up on the Internet real good. It's super fascinating stuff. And I, I am familiar with piezoelectricity, or I shouldn't say piezoelectricity, but piezoelectric uh, materials. But this was, this was at a level of detail that went beyond anything I had read before. Yeah. But like we said, that's not the only way. There's also a kind of nanogenerator, and again, Wong, has done a lot of research in all of these uh, called triboelectric generators, and uh, this is this is basically static electricity. Yeah, that's that's it's, it's friction based, right? Exactly. So there's still a mechanical element to it, but it's not the mechanical stress that is converted into electricity. It's rather that the act of friction ends up generating this electric. Uh, charge that is then harnessed to go into a circuit. Oh, right. It's that. It's uh, the fact that some materials can uh, can gain or lose, or tend to gain or lose electrons upon contact with other materials. Yeah. So you have to use two different kinds of, uh, generally speaking, plastic materials, mm-hmm. and rub those against each other. Uh, they found that if you use two of the same type, you would not get. The kind the of kind effect of results, you would need, right? And and you know, and and you can. You, I'm sure that everyone here has tested this, uh, you know, in an annoying or hazardous way in terms of, um, you know, either delivering a small shock to a sibling by rubbing your feet on the carpet and uh, going yeah. over and poking them. My or, favorite um, is uh, the rubbing of the balloon against the hair. Right, right, yeah. Or uh, or or even something something more uh, uh, unfortunate and dangerous like. Uh, 
if you're if you're dealing with uh, computers with with computer innards, right? And, and you haven't grounded yourself. You haven't grounded first. yourself. Yeah, and you know it's That's, why Faraday cages are really really cool. It's it's also why if you ever decide to build your own computer and you're doing it from scratch and you're getting ready to put that microprocessor into the motherboard, ground yourself first, please, because otherwise that. The, that lovely stuff that's sitting in front of you may be rendered useless yes. with one unfortunate zap. Important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Yeah, you're welcome. Tell them about the Twinkie. Uh, so the triboelectric generators, they, they harness this, uh, static electricity essentially. Uh, but they, to, to maximize it, Wong and his team discovered something interesting. They found that if you took the, these two different kinds of essentially plastic materials, Polymers. Yeah, these polymers. And if you were to uh, put on the sides that are rubbing against each other, if you were to put little tiny pyramids, that would actually maximize the uh, the the electric field that you would generate, and so it would become more efficient. Otherwise, if it, were, if it was smooth, it would still work. It just mm-hmm. wouldn't generate as much. Oh, but yeah, having the the greater surface area. Yeah. So they they were actually using. Uh, uh, all right. Let's see if I can do this. Because I, I, I even wrote out how I was supposed to say this very long word. So this could be disaster, folks. Strap yourselves in. But they used a sheet of polyester. So that's not the long one. That's the easy one. <laughs> so they went back into the 70s. I was about to be very concerned. <laughs> they went back into the 70s, took some poor guy's suit and just ripped it off of him and brought it back up here. And then they also used a sheet of polydimethylsiloxane. PDMS. That sounds great to me. Yeah, so they use these two to uh, rub against each other. And the polyester tends to donate electrons, and the PDMS tends to accept electrons. And so while you're rubbing the surfaces together... They uh then you then the next step is to mechanically separate them. Uh, right, because because one one surface during this rubbing process has become uh has gained a positive net charge and the other has gained a positive a negative net, net charge. Yes, yes, but it was a lot of it. So and we don't want to be too negative on this show, but yeah, yeah, exactly. You rub them together and then you mechanically separate them very quickly. And uh, while the that that's what generates the electric charges. You can then the uh, current flows through the gap in between them exactly when, once they have been separated. Yeah, yeah. So you do that. You've got the uh, the electricity moving through the the load the same way the piezoelectric one would. I mean, th- from this point forward, it's exactly the same as piezoelectric uh, because you you're just harnessing electricity. But the generation is different. It's not that mechanical stress. It's the friction, which is a subtle but important difference. And uh, uh, so, yeah, Wong, Wong pointed out, said the smooth surfaces rubbing together generated a charge, but using those micro-pattern surfaces, it, it uh, increased the efficiency quite a bit um, and said that they were uh, generating as much as 18 volts at about 0.13 microamps per square centimeter, uh, which is very promising. Yeah. So another potential use of uh, nanomaterials to generate electricity. The the peak that they found that that I was reading in that in that one paper that I mentioned earlier was uh, up to 110 volts. Yeah. So you, for a, for a, for a two square centimeter. Right. Yeah. So they what they've done is they have dramatically increased the efficiency mm-hmm. since they first started looking into this. Yeah. That's the other interesting thing I find about the the research these guys are doing is that they're not just sitting on their laurels after they discover this and go with that. They're, they're improving they're, it exactly continually, they're evolving that ele- that uh, that technique, uh, and it's it's really exciting stuff. Now, there's another 
way of generating electricity on the nano scale with a nano generator. And there's probably more as well. But these are the, the these three, are the three main, main ones, ones that we that we've read about anyway. And the third is pyroelectric. Right. So uh, you have to get a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh, who is on the nano scale, and then he just rides a bicycle really fast. That's that's pyro, right? Okay, this is one of those moments where Lauren's <laughs> looking at me and our listeners have pointed these out. Like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, no, pyroelectric is obviously it deals with heat and it deals with uh, uh, t- changing temperatures, although the material itself does not have to have uh, heat differentials across it, uh, but it does have to have some changes in temperature from one to another for this to work. Um, and uh, it was a team of scientists who had developed a portable nano generator that is capable of partially charging a lithium ion battery using ambient energy as a power source that ambient energy being temperature heat heat or we should say temperature but well sure because he, he's cause talking heat about is... the flow of temperature but, uh-huh. but we apologized all about heat and temperature in a previous episode go and listen to refrigerators i believe How it refrigerators was work. yeah yep and uh, so the team of scientists included uh si hong long uh, ya Yang, Yan Zhang, and Jean Lin Wang. Uh, and they, they called the device Peng, P-E-N-G. So, uh, if Chris were here, he would demand to say it's the device they called Peng, as opposed to the device that goes ping. Um, and it stands for, P-E-N-G stands for Pyroelectric Nano Generator. So, there's a there, there there's an go. exciting fact, but uh, <laughs> so what they're doing is they're they're harnessing this pyroelectric effect, which if you're being really really general, it means it's small changes in temperature have an electrical potential, and the nano generator harvests the unused potential energy from its surroundings and then puts it to work, just like the other two. You know, once you've harvested the electrons, then it follows the same pathway as piezoelectric. And the uh, triboelectric. Oh, right, right. We we honestly understand uh, comparatively less about this method. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little bit more technically complicated. This this one gets this one gets so complex as to be uh, very intimidating. But I can tell you there are two different pyroelectric effects. Uh, there's one that we call the primary effect, and one we call the secondary effect. And the primary effect is essentially that the change in temperature results in the electric dipole. Uh, wobbling around, moving around at a greater oscillation magnitude around its equilibrium axis. And, you know, that sounds really confusing, but to go into too much detail would make it even more confusing because I can't illustrate it in any way in an audio podcast. But uh, essentially, it ends up creating a flow of electrons due to decreased induced charges and electrodes. Uh, now, the secondary effect is way easier for me to understand because it's really just going back to piezoelectric. Mm-hmm. The secondary pyroelectric effect is all about thermal deformation, which is the idea that uh, materials expand and contract depending upon uh, the presence or absence of uh, or the flow of heat. Okay. Right. So if I, you know, it's just the same thing that you see on a hot summer day when the power lines are sagging. You know, mm-hmm. everything's expanding in the heat, and on a cold day, those same power lines could be very taut. Uh, same sort of thing. Um, that deformation on the nanoscale is enough to change the uh, nanowires so that you get that piezoelectric effect. So it's still kind of piezoelectric, but it's all based but on temperature all... changes, not okay. on movement. Sure. Oh, so I get that. Yeah. So again, you're, it's uh, getting back to that mechanical stress, but the mechanical stress is is caused by uh, temperature changes as opposed to pressure or whatever. 
So I, once I got to that point, I'm like, I like the secondary uh, effect, uh, pyroelectric effect, way better because I, I, I can, get it. I grasp it. <laughs> uh, and so now, now let's talk about some of the applications for this stuff. So we're talking about these tiny, tiny, tiny electricity generators. What would that be good for? We well, kind of touched on a, a couple already. Yeah, we, we already mentioned uh, medical devices and in, uh, in anything that you need to implant that needs to run on a battery. For example, a, a you know a heart monitor or uh, right uh, anything that would require maybe like an insulin uh, insulin pump. Insulin Ooh, pump. that'd be great. Yeah. So essentially, what you you know anything that you can think of that would be an implant that would normally require uh, uh, electricity from a battery. Uh, just imagine that you have. As part of the the surgical process that implants this this uh, this device into you, you have this nano generator film that's also part of it, and that film is just all it's doing is taking uh, energy that's being given off by your heartbeat and that and converting that into electricity that powers the implant, or it's uh, the power of your breathing or the blood flowing through your veins or the constriction of blood vessels. Or any of the million tiny movements that your body is continually doing anyway. Yeah. And it's usually anything that's involuntary because you're going to be doing that all, no matter what. Oh, right. Yeah. And because so, if you had to tap your finger against your thumb pad yeah, a yeah. million times a day, that would get a little bit tiresome. Right. You, <laughs> what are you doing? Staying alive. Yeah. It's just like if you had to concentrate to make your heart beat or had to concentrate to breathe. That would not. That would not. That would. That would. Yeah, defeat the purpose of the exercise. I'd be leading an even less productive life because I'd be concentrating too much. So hard on that, extending yeah, it. Yeah, but, but uh, that's that's one potential use of this. And again, because of the zinc oxide, that's something that could actually happen because the material does not react to the body in uh, a negative way unless you have you know some sort of allergy to the material itself, sure. which is still possible. Sure. Um, uh, also, I mean, we, we could, uh, get little, uh, little films of this stuff and use it to, for example, help power our cell phones, uh, oh, sure. and other mobile devices. Yeah. Just imagine this stuff incorporated in your clothing. Yeah. So let's say that, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I put a, put a shirt on and the shirt actually has within, you know, sewn into the fabric, one of these nano generators. And every time I'm moving around, I'm actually generating electricity and maybe that's attached to a little battery pack. And mm-hmm. then I can recharge my cell phone. A little, a little output plug in your hoodie that yeah. just goes straight to your cell phone. And we could eventually have fully incorporated electronics that are uh, getting powered this way, whether they are part of our clothing or something else. Like, I can, I could easily imagine that. I mean, if you've ever seen anything like fabric displays or wearable computers, uh, this is the kind of stuff that would allow us to power those devices without having to carry a big old heavy battery, which is one of the there, – there are several barriers to the wearable computer model right now. That's a big one. Is Absolutely. The idea, no one wants to have to carry a you know, four-pound battery yeah, pack. Yeah, because, I mean, electronics are such that your laptop can be extremely lightweight, but the battery is always the killer. Yeah, and, it, and your laptop requires quite a bit of power, whereas some of these other devices, uh, you know – Everyone wants the super sleek, sexy phone, right? Mm-hmm. That means you have to have a very small battery in there. You have to make the uh, the device itself as efficient as possible so that it's very, very careful about consuming power. Because our battery technology has only extended so far, and, and we have not 
seen huge uh, leaps in battery capacity. Right. You know, there, it has improved over time, but not at the same rate as our improving uh, in microprocessors, for example. Uh, right, right. And it's, and it's wonderful that they're rechargeable, that we have such terrific rechargeable batteries these days. However, if we could get something that is continually getting power from... Just moving around. From, yeah. yeah. And again, it could be, again, it could be harnessing the power of you breathing if it's on your shirt. You know, so there you are breathing and, and the, the nano generators are so small that those, even if, even if you think you're barely moving, it's enough to generate electricity, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You could, all, we, I could also see these being used in, uh, in other ways as well. Like, can you imagine, uh, something that is kind of like m- nano-sized wind turbines? Not so much that they're actually turning, mm-hmm. but you put them out in places connected to stuff where if it's a windy area, then every single time a breeze blows by, you're generating electricity. Oh, right. If you could coat the side of a house in this stuff, uh, then it could hypothetically power the house. Yeah, or at least offset the needs that you have already. Right, right. Uh, if you put this in a roadway or on a sidewalk yep. and collected the, uh, the, the motion of cars and steps going by. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Every time, uh, every time anyone would walk on it, put pressure on it, that would actually help generate electricity. These are ways where if we are able to, to make it efficient enough and robust enough, because obviously when you're talking about something like sidewalks or roads, it would have to withstand a lot of punishment. And yeah. most, most of these, most of these devices probably couldn't do that yet. They, they're, more like, oh, you could use it about a hundred thousand times and it'd be fine. Well, clearly, if it's on a road and that road gets a lot of traffic, hundred thousand goes by pretty quickly. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, as of, I mean, these these things are in testing. As of early two thousand eight, the East Japan Railway Company installed piezoelectric pads in piezoelectric. Sorry, no, that's fine. <laughs> in a in in a one of the the ticket gates in a station in Tokyo, and um, uh, you know, trying to figure out ways to make trains more energy efficient and, and had reasonable success. This is really cool stuff. I mean, cause again, if it can offset our need for fossil fuels, then that is a big benefit environmentally speaking, assuming, of course, that the production of the nano generators is Doesn't, an environmentally friendly right. production process. You know, which actually I've read zero research about. Yeah, so I don't, that is I absolutely a thing to watch out for. Especially since they're talking about it in the testing phase. They're not, there's no production, so it's really hard to say. Right. But I mean, obviously if, you know, the, the production of the electricity would be very clean, but the production of the actual devices that generate the electricity could be very, uh, dangerous. We, I honestly don't know one way or the other, but mm-hmm. that's something you always have to take into consideration. That's why I'm always careful when I talk about clean energy. You have to look at the big, big, big picture. You can't just look at how the electricity was generated. You have to go beyond that. For example, in photovoltaics, when uh, some of the materials used to make those solar power cells are... Very toxic or uh, they involve very expensive, rare earth minerals, mm -hmm, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that you have to take into consideration. You have to look at the big picture because if you don't, then you're going to have other problems come up down the line. So I always recommend everybody when you when you look into these things, do try and go beyond just the the story and see what's what's just outside on the perimeter, because sometimes that'll give you enough information to say, well, this is really cool technology and I think we should pursue it because who knows what we could learn, but ultimately I don't see it being practical because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, and X, Y, and Z might just be because look at politics. <laughs> yeah. Just in general. That is that is always an issue as well. I, I say this as I watch the United States uh, totally cut the space program <laughs> yeah. to shreds. But hey, you know... 
I'm not going to talk about that because it makes me cry. Anyway, that's, that's so probably a whole nother episode. It is a whole <laughs> nother episode. We just did episodes about space travel anyway. So, uh, and we've done some pretty awesome stuff and I'm sure we will do awesome stuff again. It's just, this will be a little lull. That's all. All right, guys. Well, anyway, enough of that commentary. Yeah. On that super positive note. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, the, these are super cool discoveries that these guys are making and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about it and seeing how it, it, it plays out, especially when we start getting into even greater detail about how nanotechnology can change our lives. We've just scratched the surface. I have a feeling that 20 years from now, we'll all be laughing at how limited our scope was when we were thinking about nanotechnology. Right, right. Uh, uh, Dr. Wong is talking about, in the next five years, these being commercial products. That's phenomenal. So. I mean, five years, that's no time at all. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely not the standard scientific response of 20 to 30 years. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, guys, uh, this was a, a great topic. I really had a lot of fun with it. So, if you have any episode ideas, you, you know, think, well, this would be a fantastic thing for them to talk about, let us know. Get in touch with us. We have an email address that you can write to. That email address is techstuff at discovery.com. Or get in touch with us through the miracle of social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. At both of those locations, you can find us with the handle techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 